We are back in the VHS vault. I'm one of your hosts, Jason. Of course, my co-host here is Jason Roy Gaston. And guys, if you like what you see here, if you're into the VHS vault, don't forget to like and subscribe and get notified when new shows are coming out. Jason, this is a big one today, mate. Oh, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. I was so happy. When we spun this movie, oh, I, I was just telling you, I watch this movie at least twice a year. Whenever I first saw it a long time ago, I recorded it on my on my newfangled VCR and I would watch it every other day just because I just love this movie. I used to be able to 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 quote it from beginning to end. I probably could still do a pretty good run of it. I don't think I could do the whole thing, but ah, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited. We just had a, a pre-show confession by me, Jason, where oh, I yes. that I've only ever seen this film. I'd seen this film prior to today once ah. back when it was originally came out on vhs um and for some reason i don't know it's just one of those films that i knew everyone loved it. i go oh yeah i've got to watch clue again but it wasn't a big part of our zeitgeist down here in australia but i know it was in america well you know it really was not a phenomenon here in america either oh. It was it was uh, considered a box office disappointment, to be honest, because they had this absolutely stellar star-studded cast, even by today's standards. Uh, mm. You know, you have Leslie Ann Warren, you have Martin Mull, you have the the great Tim Curry, all in one movie together. The legendary Madeline Kahn, and they put all these people into a movie and the movie did not perform as well as they thought it would because they had this great gimmick of coming up with a movie that had three different endings, depending on which theater you were at. And so the people who made this movie thought, well, people will watch the movie. They'll like it. And then they'll go see it again for a different ending. That's not how the audience took it. The audience saw it as a gimmick to make them spend more money, which to be honest, that's what it was but they did not come out and support this movie. But in this year since, thankfully, people have seen it. They have, um, they have recognized its true greatness, and it has become a bona fide cult classic. And I am in the cult, and we welcome you, my child. Yeah, I, I will say I could see why this film has become a comedy cult classic, because it... I don't know what I would consider this a family film, but I would definitely see this as a film you could get around in the holidays and watch together. I don't know if uh, I consider this a family film either. There's way too much sexual harassment. There is, in it. there is, but I reckon if you've got a 10-year-old and above, you could totally handle it. They, they don't ever go too far with it. No, um, it's it's very subtle. I was telling yeah. you about it. I was telling you about a, a sequence that I saw, which I'm gonna I'm gonna be as I'm going to be as um, tactful as I can. Uh, there's a dinner scene <laughs> where Miss Peacock, I'm sorry, not Miss Peacock, Miss Scarlet is talking. And as she's talking, Yvette the maid leans over and puts something on the table. And Christopher Lloyd is sitting there with his face literally in this woman's breast, just doing this. <laughs> and they never call any attention to it. No. I've been watching this movie for over 30 years and I've never noticed that before. But as soon as I saw it, I just busted laughing just because Christopher Lloyd's expression was just blank. I like think one of all I, thought disappeared from his brain and he was just, huh. I, I think what you're mentioning about, you'd never noticed it before. I think this film by design 
from watching it just two times is all about rewatchability. I mean, not only with the concept, with the endings, but there is so much um, that they lay in the beginning of the film. There's so many little subtle things. Um, and and it's it does it really well. But there's one does. thing that's not subtle in this film, and he's unbelievably good in this movie. It, I, I think you told me before the show it's his favourite role. Yes. And that, of course, is the great Tim Curry. The legend, Jason. the goat. I, I strive to be a tenth of what that man is. Supposedly... Uh, someone once wrote about meeting Tim Curry and told, they said that they met Tim Curry and said, Clue is my favorite movie. And so, and Tim Curry gave that big smile he's so famous for and says, I bet it is. <laughs> I love that. That's yes. so Tim Curry. <laughs> and, oh, look, I mean, I don't want to jump the gun, but there's a scene at the end, just marathon monologue that he has to take on board where he's running through the house. I'm, I know it wasn't done in all one take, but still. You know he could have Unbelievable. It, yeah. Yeah, yes. you know. You know he would have. But, you know, this film is... Um, you know what this film reminds me of? It reminds me of a film that I'd seen that was made in 1978, an English comedy called Murder by Death. It was a black A movie and white. I have not seen yet, a, but I'm A movie going in black to, and white. Yes has Alec Guinness, Peter Sellers. Who is also um, a legend, yes. Yes. You have some of the greats of British comedy. And they do, you know, after rewatching this, I, I, I've seen Murder by Death like a hundred times. It's kind of my version of Clue in a way. <laughs> but they do a, a comedy, but it's a bit more broader comedy where I'd say the comedy in this is very brilliant because some of it's subtle. It's not. There's some slackstick moments and there's some very subtle, clever lines that you don't laugh at immediately. Your brain takes a second to work it out and then you're laughing afterwards. Yes. So, but uh, <laughs> 90% of the performers here are fantastic. And I've got to say, Jace, I actually think Wait, the female... Nine, 97%? Why is that so low? Well, I don't like uh, the Mr. Body. Really? The actor they got to play Mr. Body. Not a fan. He's, I I really liked him. He he reminds me of uh, Fat Tony from The Simpsons. I, I, I went a long time thinking that the guy who Joe played, Montanga. Yeah, I, I went a long time thinking that Mr. Body was Joe Montanga. Montana, Montana. I don't know how to say his last name. But potato, yeah, potato. I, I really liked the guy. He was he was Fat Tony before there was a Fat Tony. So, but if you're looking at stars at the time, right? Martin Mull, great on TV. Right, great yes, comedy Martin actor. Mull, yes, wasn't a famous, you know, film star. Same with Michael McKean. Mm-hmm. Uh, even Tim Curry had been struggling his career at this point. I think the same year he also played uh, in Legend, which he was phenomenal into. Yeah. Legend. Oh my gosh. Oh, oh so that, good. Um, that movie was butt, but Tim Curry. Yeah, he amazing. is amazing. He's amazing. So actually, the female cast that they had at the time. They were the strong. They were the ones that were going to draw people into the cinema because Leslie Ann Warren, is that Colin Camp playing, young Colin Camp, I believe, isn't it? Playing the... Uh, uh, Mrs. Peacock? No, not Mrs. Peacock, the, the maid. Oh, Yvette. 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 Um, Eileen Brennan. Who that was is, Mrs. Peacock, yes. Who's an Academy Award winner, I believe. Yeah, all, all three of the female leads in this movie 
uh, all three of them had at least been nominated for an Academy Award. Yeah, that's the level of talent they've got yes. here. And and it really shows. And of course, Madeline Kahn. Now, Jace, I don't want to get dark and macabre here, but this is one of her last roles, right? Or no no she did she go on for a while she went on for a while yeah she uh this was released in 84 i think we lost okay yeah we lost madeline khan uh mid 90s or late 90s yes okay yeah either way she's phenomenal in this everybody gets to play their strengths in this yeah leslie ann warren plays her strength so well in this i love her and so does mount everyone gets a moment in this um, it's absolutely, uh, it's done so well. And I like the fact that they don't shy away from what they really are, Jace. They're, they're doing the video. They're doing the board They game. are, yes. But you know, they don't do it outwardly. They don't, they don't do anything that is just, ha ha, look at us. We're doing, we're doing a, a movie based on a board game. Everything, every, aside from the weapons and the names everything is very subtle if you've never played clue before you would know what was going on in this movie some of the subtle ways that they that they played tribute to the to the board game are done in ways that are so they're they're just the attention to detail hmm. in these tributes are great for example did you notice in the mansion that all of the rooms the conservatory the ballroom, the lounge, all of them are arranged exactly as they are in the board game. No, I didn't. And know if you that. and if you look at the floor, the floor looks it's in a checkerboard, like pieces can move on it. And one of my favorite things is they they did not do the they didn't do the the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They didn't do the expected thing of putting all the characters in their in their colors, you know, you would think that Colonel Mustard would be wearing yellow and Miss Scarlet yeah. would, be wearing, would be wearing red. They don't do that. But if you pay attention to the cars that they arrive in, all of their cars are the colors of their playing pieces. That's so cool. I love that. Yes. They do They do some great lines, though, later on with, you know, it was Colonel Mustard with the candlestick in the library. You know, they... Yes. It, they don't do say exactly that, but they do reference kind of that, and the fact that it happens, really the uh, you know going all over this place with this movie, but it all kind of goes down in the foyer. Yes, it's kind of like if you're playing the game, you end up your pieces end up in the middle. Everything kind of happens in the middle, so it's done so well. But the comic timing, Jace, let's oh just my gosh, get straight it's, away. It's exquisite, it's exquisite. Oh. Like, by the time you're even getting, and, you know, all the intros I love, I love all the little intros of everybody coming in, and there's <laughs> Martin Mole, and there's Madeline Kahn, and, you know, I even love this Christopher Lloyd. And Oh, is, Les- is that, that coat that Leslie Ann Warren wears makes her look, one, it makes her look beautiful, because it's a mm. wonderful costume piece. Mm. Secondly, it makes her look like a cobra, mm. and that is such foreshadowing. I just yeah, love yeah. that. I should have mentioned, of course, the great Christopher Lloyd. Um, yes, he's oh, having a Chris bit Lloyd. of a uh, bit of a peak in his career about this point because around this time, eighty four, he had been yes. in Search for Spock. He'd been in this. He's coming up. He's probably filming Back to the Future at the time of this release. So yes, he was. He's really on fire at this point, old Christopher Lloyd. But I'm loving it. Even at the moment they get to this dinner scene, Jace, I'm in. Like, I'm really in because you've set up your pieces, you put them at a dining table, 
And everybody's really hesitant in the beginning to unleash who they are, but human nature can't help yourself. You start leaking things out. But you you know you're in safe hands with these performers. You know? Oh, absolutely. There are no weak links in this cast. Eileen Brennan's the one that blows me away. Mrs. Oh, Peacock. She's, because yeah, she's, she's so known great. of being a serious actress. She was once in a comedy I'd seen prior to this called Private Benjamin with Goldie Horn, where she plays kind of like the drill sergeant, Goldie mm -hmm. Horn. I remember that movie, yes. Uh, and she was fantastic in that, but not necessarily a comic performance. Here she's doing a comic performance. And she and kills it's great. it. She kills it. She's She is... She's a Karen. You dislike her, but she's so good at it. You don't hate her. No, you don't. And, I, and the 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 peahen feathers in her hair, the mm -hmm. way that they they are always fluttering around. I just I yeah. everything about this movie is just wonderful. It incidentally, is. It is. incidentally, um, you may have noticed that in this uh, mansion that there are portraits of presidents. Tell yes. me, tell me, Jace. Okay. What do all of the presidents in this mansion hanging on the walls, what do they all have in common? Uh, this is a tough question to ask Australian about American presidents. Um, well, I'm not sure you kind of got me here, Jason. You set okay. me up for I have no idea. They were all murdered. Ah, oh, really? They were all assassinated. Garfield, Lincoln, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they they were they were all murder victims. So again, the you attention know, to detail in this movie is so amazing. This movie that's it. When when the set designer is doing those kind of gags, <laughs> you know they're on, they've got something good here. You know, well, the attention to detail in this movie was so was so great that sleuths on the internet actually watched the broadcast that the that the cook was watching, and. The uh, the clues that were left by the the actors, for example, at one point, Miss Scarlet says something about they're on Route 41, hmm. and they basically were able to piece these clues together and come up with the exact day and one of two locations that the movie took place in. Wow! So there's, I don't know if that was something that they did intentionally to kind of leave a leave a mystery for the audience or what, but people took it. But what it, it does show, Jace, if you're putting that many levels of detail, people can derive new information from that. Yes. Because you've left all these other clues, you could make some fairly astute assumptions about what's going on. Um, but for me, Jace, I can't keep getting past Tim Curry's just such energetic performance. <laughs> playing a butler who is just... You feel like, okay, he's doing the right thing. He's a butler, a little bit of a comic performance, so going for the dinner. But his wackiness and just his commitment to this role just goes bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's absolutely wonderful, you know? Well, it's not um, just his comedy. I think that Tim Curry's performance in this movie is laudable, not just because he is... He he's his dialogue is hilarious and his mm. physical comedy is good. It's also that he knows when not to be a goofball as well because he pulls in he pulls it in and he goes serious a couple of times and he does it just when it's supposed to. This movie is mm. atmospheric in many ways. It really mm. looks like a movie that could have been filmed in the 1940s in many in many shots. If you were to turn the color off, I think that. It looks like 
like I said, 1940s movie. You know what I was, um, now I know this name as a director is not so great now, but certainly someone in that period was at the top of his game. I didn't know that John Landis had quite a bit to do with this. He did, and amazingly yeah. the the cast managed to get through the filming process Nobody without died. dying. Yeah. <laughs> but also, it was also the producers of 1989's Batman had a bit to do with this too. Peter's Gruber. I can I can see it because honestly, I could see Bruce Wayne living in this mansion as well. <laughs> this Absolutely. this mansion, by the way, was a set. Mm. They built this as a set, except for one room, mm. and it was the ballroom. The ballroom was filled on lo was filmed on location with Leslie Ann Warren and Martin Mull. Uh, they filmed that one scene. They are the only two characters who goes in that one room, and they only go into the room once. Mm. The set was bought by Aaron Spelling and actually became the Carlton Hotel in Dynasty. So really? if, you, if you like watching trashy old um, soap operas from the 1980s, uh, take a look at the hotel from Dynasty because you're looking at the mansion from Clue. Does season one of Star Trek Next Generation class is trashy TV? <gasps> Sorry. Yes. Hey, you know what? <laughs> Star Trek: The Next Generation is just is just a soap opera for nerds. I said it exactly. There you go. I said what we, I said. We said it not on our Star Trek show though. <laughs> <laughs> now, come on, I'm just going to go all over the place with this film because it is. It's just some things that just keep the the scene where they've got the cop right. So this is further in the movie. The cop comes, and there's one particular scene where they're trying to convince the cop there's nothing wrong. Oh my gosh! And they and stage. he comes into the room. Oh no! Holy moly! This is one thing why I'm actually almost crying with laughter because I love a good bit of slapstick. And this scene is—it's all over it. Even that particular bit where Martin Mull's having a make out with the maid, and somehow Eileen Brennan gets her eyes open to make it look more convincing. But staging what looks like a PG-rated orgy. <laughs> with dead bodies just sounds like something that would not work. And I can't believe I'm saying these words right now, but it does. And it's Definitely. hilarious. And well, Mr. Body being oh in the chair, <laughs> Mr. Body being in the chair and the cop go, go right up to him and goes, this guy's drunk, dead was drunk. It, was it Mr. Body in the, in the chair? Well, you know, the, the pretend one, wasn't it? No, it was the, no, it was, it was it the, was the, the hitchhiker. Yeah, the motorist, the motorist. The motorist who worked yeah. for um, Mr. Fusion. I'm calling him Mr. Fusion, Martin Mull's character. Because he was, he was enrolled in the Fusion Bomb, remember? Oh, okay. I, whenever you said Mr. Fusion, I was thinking of Christopher Lloyd. Back oh, yeah, but the, the thing, no, 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 did, what I meant, Martin Mull, because... the same movie? Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, like, if you haven't seen it, you should <laughs> see it. And it is a film that... Yeah, you know, don't take it from us to get a play-by-play -play on how this film rolls out. No, but please don't. But what I don't. did please like don't. is the whole concept that's all tied around a government conspiracy in some way, yes. which I liked. I liked the fact that everybody kind of knew each other, maybe not directly or indirectly, and to be the, um, the full motivation for this plot, which I think they got right, Jason, because you could have really messed this up if you didn't have a smart script. Oh, and the fact that they're taking advantage of McCarthyism without even saying his name, because exactly. all these characters are so concerned about being 
un-American or being caught doing something that is outside of the American norm of the 1950s. It's, as I said, this, this, you turn off the color, this is a movie, this is a 1950s movie, both in the way that it's shot and with the subject matter. I bet you, I bet you at some point they had discussions about doing this black and white because it would play really well in black and white. Part of me um, kind of wants to go watch it in black and white now just to see yeah, if it just works. Turn it down. Yeah. Just like remember, you know, the mist, you know, that Steve oh, King movie, The Mist. Love the Did mist, you ever yes. see that? Yeah, and that black and white really kind of works as well. So um yeah, and even Mad Max Fury Road. What's that in black and white? The chrome really? edition. Mad Max. Okay. Yeah, Fury Road, the chrome edition looks great. Huh. Um now, some of the great things that work in this is the energy between the cast themselves. Don't you think that they are able to all bounce off? Each character can bounce off any of the other characters so well. Yes. And such a wonderful rapport they've got going. Maybe not as characters, but just as actors. That that really, there's a long time where there's not a lot happening plot-wise. The plot really kicks in around halfway, doesn't it, Mark? And then we get exposition, exposition, exposition. But in the beginning of that, it's really, they're slowly building. And it's the performances in my mind and it's some of the comedy that really keeps it moving along at a really good pace. Oh, absolutely. The chemistry and clue that with, between these actors are just, it's lightning in a bottle. Mm. I don't, I honestly cannot think that is such a great picture. I, <laughs> I honestly cannot think of another instance in which a ensemble cast has come together and demonstrated this level of chemistry. It's almost like they can read each other's minds. Yeah. Every single so one of them. Yes. I love this moment. Sorry, Jace. You know, this is where, where they go and just, see. They're just over it at this point. Yeah, at this point, look at the look on. <laughs> on uh, it's like, really? Another one? Okay, yeah. then. You know? They just they they can't even react anymore. <laughs> There's like dead body. Uh, yeah. Dead body. Uh, dead body. Uh but, you know, I would say some of this comedy, even for 30 years ago, you know, they're doing old gags, even from that perspective, but they're done so well. We even have a who's on first kind of joke going on where they're oh, counting the bullets they do at the it, end. They do it several so times good. and it's amazing. It's yeah. so good. You one know? plus two plus two plus one. Yeah, oh, that's right. Even if you're all right, that's one plus two plus one plus one, not one plus two plus one plus one. One plus two so plus one. Great. Shut up! <laughs> it's really, really great. Okay, I've got to ask this question though. In the video version, and the only version that I know of, Jason, because I didn't see this theatrically, we get all three endings. Yes. Yes. Together. You, yes. On the on the VHS release, you do get all three endings. On the pay TV release, you get all three endings. That is not the way it was done in theaters, though. Mm. The moment that um, Tim Curry cuts the lights. And then turns them back on and says, "Sorry, I don't. I didn't mean to frighten you all." That's where the three different versions of this movie would diverge, and you would get the three different endings. So you can imagine. Let's go behind the scenes here a bit, Jace. Back in the day, so you maybe would have had three reels for a ninety-minute film. You're probably getting sent a fourth reel. Mm -hmm. I would assume if you were going to cycle them out in the cinemas, you would have had to distribute certain end reels to different theaters yes hmm. it's really interesting i think um i actually think it plays out really great though having all these endings 
it I get a good laugh out of it all yeah if you happen to get the DVD of this movie or maybe it's the blu-ray I can't remember but there it does have a feature where you can get a random ending so you can see it the way that people saw it in 1984 Mm. I like the Michael McKean being the cop ending. Oh, yes. by the way, um, Howard Pressman. Love me some Howard Pressman. So yes. to have him in the end is always great. Um, um, yeah, so uh, like I like that ending. But also like the first ending when you find out it's Leslie Ann Warren. I like all the endings. Yeah, I can't I, I split think... them apart. Yeah. Even though, I, you know, they're all just so good. Yes, I I wish that we could have seen more endings. You know, one where Mister uh, Colonel Mustard did it, or one one where uh, you know Michael McKean's character. I, mm. I I don't know why I can't remember his name. Mister Plum, Professor Plum did it. Yeah, no, that, that was Christopher. No, Lord, no, that's no. um, I can't remember his name either. Yep. I appreciate anyway. the way that you're belching on here, by the way. That's Sorry, so, I very just couldn't help that because, yeah, I'm an Aussie. What do you care? I've got no matter. I know. The I fact know. I'm I... even wearing pants right now is a miracle. Yes, it, um... it really is. <laughs> it's a bluff. You don't, in any case, don't stand up. Yes. <laughs> no. Uh, oh, who was. Oh, you know what? Another bit. I'm going to talk about just some bits that I laughed out loud at right, at this point, right? The, uh, le- the uh, singergram that turns up. Oh my gosh, that is such it's such a random thing. You think it's a gag, but then it becomes important later. It becomes but, important, but I thought and, it was a throwaway gag. Yeah. Who is she? Because yeah. like it looked like an actress that I knew of. I don't know what her name was, but that was something that me and my brother, my sister would always make fun of whenever we were little. Is we'd open up the bedroom door and one of us would be sitting there going da 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 da. You're singing Telegram and we go boom and we just fall down. <laughs> That's great. That's great. I love hidden caverns and I love little secret doorways and this whole fi- this film was full of secret entrances and I love a good in secret yes. entrance. Um, so I was pretty happy with they had not just one or two but it looked like the whole perimeter of the house. You could get to any kind of room through that secret kind of alleyway. Yes, and the secret passages in this movie mm. are game accurate. They go yeah. the the rooms that are connected with secret passages are connected with secret passages on the game board. Again, it's that it, it's that level of detail that mm. I appreciate. Mm. It's I wouldn't have known that. I would have because here's the other thing. Clue. I remember my cousins loving. And my mm-hmm. older brothers and sisters, but I wasn't. I think by the time I was playing board games, which still play Monopoly, I think I think I was like mousetrap at that point. You know, spend oh. three hours setting it up for it not to work properly at the end. I never had mousetrap, but I oh. always wanted mousetrap, and now I'm just salty and mad about it all the well, time. Why, you know, when I think about it, I think there were so many board games as a kid where you really don't get a proper ending to them. Yes. I mean, Monopoly ends is a great reflection of human society because it always ends in violence. <laughs> yes, it does. Of something, yeah, it Put that does. game board into the sky and everything <laughs> yes. rains down. That's when the revolution comes. Monopoly is, is how capitalism collapses, and I love it. I'm all here for it. How was Clue received in your house in the fact of, was it absolute a winner? Was there acceptance if you if you got it right? Or did it also end in... A lot of, I'm annoyed and I'm going to go away and slam my door. 
we never had the attention span to play clue in my house we had the game we had we had regular clue and then as the 90s came along we had simpsons clue yeah but none of us wanted to sit down long enough to actually figure out who the murderer was so we'd get bored and we just guess okay who was right none of us was right okay this game sucks and we put it up <laughs> until, until we remembered that we liked it yeah. <laughs> then, or we remembered we forgot that we didn't like it and then we got it out again is this the first ever uh, game that was made into a film, Jason? I honestly have no idea. If because Blue this is pre-video games, right? Yeah. Um, well, there were video games, but as for a game being adapted into That's what I mean, an IP movie, of a game being adapted. I honestly have no idea. Now, there were video game cartoons on TV. But no films at that point. No, I don't think that there were. Ooh. I don't know. That's something worthy of research if mm. if Clue was the first. Obviously, it's the first one that I can think of, but I don't know. Maybe somebody had tried to adapt Old Maid at, at one this point. Is this a Milton Bradley uh, owned? Or was it um, Mattel or something? I honestly don't know who, who owns yeah. Clue. But either know. way, what what a commercial opportunity! Well, that was innovative for its time. Even oh, from a, absolutely, from an outside perspective, is aligning an IP with a film and trying to kind of market it. That did it make any money? This thing or not? I think you alluded to it didn't. It made money, but it was still considered a box office disappointment. Mm. But obviously, it's done rather well since home video came about. Surprised they haven't lined this up for a remake. I'm they really have. Surprised. They have, they, have they? They have, yes. Uh, Ryan Reynolds is um, slated to be a part of the cast. I don't know which character he'll be playing. If we're lucky, it'll be Miss Scarlet. Um, <laughs> I actually think it'd be great Butler. I think he would... I don't know. You know, I think he would be amazing in whichever part that you put him in, but I don't think that he would be a good Butler. I, I could see him as, I could see him as Plum or any anybody. I could see maybe him as Michael anybody. McKean's character. You know, the one who ends up becoming we find out is the uh, CIA agent. Yeah, I could see him playing yeah. playing that. But yeah, this uh, the remake of Clue has been in development since 2016. Oh, it's I, in development hell. I am hesitant to get excited about it because even though I don't. I don't hate these actors. I can already see Jonah Hill and um, I could see them putting Seth, Seth uh, Rogan, Rogan, Seth Rogan in it. And just, you know, maybe Seth Rogan could be the Butler. Yeah. Know. I know who did it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. yeah uh, look, the thing is, you get Seth Rogen in there, you get Danny McBride, you bring that kind of crew into there. You're turning into an R-rated clue, aren't you? Yeah, and I those guys aren't doing anything PG. I don't want an R-rated Clue. Oh. I I don't want one of those. I don't want it with that awkward humor. You know, oh. obviously there was there was um there there was improv in the original Clue movie. Madeline Kahn's whole thing about flames, flames, flames yeah, on flames. the side of my face. All of that was improv. But I don't like the I don't like the awkward thing where they just get a camera going and they have four or five actors just spouting off stuff off the top of their heads Yeah, because this movie 
although there were improv in it, it still followed a very concrete script. Um, and it's a very it... smart script. And the whole bit with Wadsworth running through the house, going from room to room, explaining how everything worked. Whenever he says one person was not in in this room, if you go back and watch the movie, yeah, there were there were a couple of people who weren't in the room. And the also the fact that they wrote this movie for three different endings. And that and it works for all three endings if you go back and rewind it and look. It's, I, I'm just thinking of that meme now from uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia where he's looking at the the, the wall with everything interconnected because you would have had yes. to have a whiteboard. You have to, yes. they're trying to map everything together. But you are so right about the cleverness of the script that even when Madeline Kahn does do that little bit of improv, it's clearly improv because everything is so tightly woven together. It is, yes. Um, and it's uh, and there's one guy, I don't know the name, but there's one guy who really got the main credit for the story. So... Um, I should do some research on him because he did a wonderful job. Yeah, he had support from John Landis and things like that. But he was the one to nut it out. It was so great. Jace, give me some of your favorite scenes, the things that you absolutely adore about this film. Okay, uh, my favorite scenes, well, we've, we've mentioned it earlier. Tim Curry Unleashed at the end of this movie is one of the funniest, most energetic between his performance and the score that between that that makes that entire thing just i have no words for it it's can i just it's perfect so did interrupt you though with that i put that at the same level as as the scene of michael bain michael bean in terminator explaining the future to sarah connor it is one of the best versions of exposition i've ever seen because yes. you know me, I'm not a big fan of just flat exposition. But you are literally recapping that entire movie. Not only has it got anything, it's just extremely funny, but it's really important for us to know. And it's like, all it is, if he just normally moved, it would just be a cutaway to different characters he stands there. But the fact that he's got such a strong comedic performance and slapstick energy running from room to room, my God, that's one of the best expositions, uh, uses of doing expositions I've ever seen. Sorry, well, go the ahead. Fact, think that's all right. I don't mind being interrupted. I'm kind of used to it by now. Yep. But yeah, the fact that he's running from room to room, basically explaining something that you've already seen. And it's not just the fact his performance carries it, but it's also his interactions with the cast, especially uh, Michael McKean. At one point, he's tripping Michael McKean every five seconds and Michael McKean just keeps getting back up. And I'm just, I, as a kid watching it for the first time, I had not seen the beginning. I was just watching the recap and just laughing hysterically thinking, what is this? Who is this wonderful man? I must watch everything he's in. What is Rocky horror? Oh my gosh. I have been corrupted forever. Uh, it's yeah. It's so good. Yeah. And there, there are so many scenes in this movie that are, incredible the the whole thing about one plus two plus two plus one tim curry gets so many digs in this movie my favorite line is um are you trying to make me look stupid you don't need any help from me sir that's right <laughs> just, and my uh my fifth grade class actually co-opted a line from this movie and i was so proud of them because all we could talk about was clue 
-hmm. whenever a teacher would go off on a tangent and say, well, to make a long story short, the entire class would go too late. <laughs> I like that moment too. I and it was just a, a class-wide burn against the teacher and she couldn't punish all of us. It was just wonderful. It was great. You know, one of the things about these old films, as we've been doing the show, some don't hold up, Jace. Like some as don't, you know, no. Friday thirteenth, we went for a few rocky moments there. We have some this film, the way it's paced, the way it's shot, the way it looks, is timeless. And I'm not overselling that. It is timeless. We call it evergreen. As yeah. in the comedy never goes bad. It was funny 30 years ago. It's funny today. It's just, this is the honey of comedy. It will never go bad. Mm -hmm. and, and, and you know what? It, it fits in that little basket of films that, comedies that did do, do so well when they were released. But time has favored them very they well. They have. Time has been very kind to Clue. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we don't appreciate what we're given at the time that we're given it. And then later on, we discover this was pretty good. That's why it's really important for shows like this. Yes, we're important because otherwise these things get lost. They get lost because we have so much content now. Like we have so much new stuff being rammed down our throats that, you know, every now and again, sift through the, the Maccas and the Burger King and all that. Go back to a classic, well cooked, homemade meal. Which Clue is. Yes. So I was thankfully very delighted with what I watched today. I went, in a way, it was a bit of a sigh of relief because I was worried that I would hate this movie because I don't remember having a good experience when I was a kid. I don't know. Maybe I was thinking about Maybe someone broke a Transformer or something. I don't know. <laughs> but going back today and watching it and go, no, this film was freaking delightful. It's, <laughs> this is a it is. great film. It is. And I, I love the fact that it has held up there's a couple of scenes that you watch and you're just kind of like mm, bit problematic but given its setting it's it's forgivable it's forgivable based on the attitudes of the time it's it's not only an 80s film but it's set in 1954 so it's an 80s reflection on sexuality and sexism and things like yes. that so, yeah, it's kind of like double-layered with that. But I don't know, maybe because I just don't get it, but I didn't see anything egregiously offensive. No, there was not. Um, I mean, in many ways, the movie can be seen as somewhat progressive because uh, Michael McKean's character during the revelation, whenever they're telling everybody what, uh, what they're being blackmailed over, says, oh, yeah, I'm a homosexual. I'm going to tell you all I'm not ashamed, but I'm, I'm going to lose my job if everybody finds out about it. And that's pretty much it. I mean, there, I mean there's that, this would, one, that was true. Though, yeah, there, yeah, it's true for the time. <clears throat> he he sits down next to Christopher Lloyd, and Christopher Lloyd uncomfortably gets gets up. That's the only gay joke. Well, there is another yeah. one that they that they do later, but that's they they keep the gay jokes very. Um, Excuse me. They they don't really go crazy with the gay jokes, and they could have, but they didn't. They they pretty much just show. Oh yeah, uh, Professor Plum is just. He's just one of the guys. He's one of the people who are just trapped in this house with a killer. And, you know, he's just as clueless as everybody else. They don't treat him special. They don't they don't make him less of a person. 
he's picked on just as much as everybody else does. And so in that way, Clue is surprisingly progressive for a movie that was made in 1984, whenever gay people were nothing but the butt of jokes. Exactly. And also with female, like we move away from gay and we look at the misogynistic aspect, this film could have gone down that pathway quite a bit, but it doesn't. No. It flirts with it. It alludes to what some of the attitudes towards women are. But they got such strong actresses and the script was written in such a way that none of the women I feel are victims. I mean, even the, no. even the maid is playing her role, knows exactly yeah. what she's doing with that cleavage. She's using it as <laughs> a, a weapon for herself to get what she kind of needs. So I really like that. I was really nervous when they showed the black cop. And I was like, I, God, mm -hmm. please don't, please don't. And thankfully, they do not. They do even not. Go no. No, no, no. He's actually, yeah, nothing. It's got nothing to do with race, you know? No. Probably not the best cop in the world. His <laughs> skill levels is a little bit iffy. No, I'm just so glad they didn't go anywhere near race. No, I'm, I'm rather relieved as well. Um, mm. I think this movie knew when to pull its punches. And I do think that comedy nowadays a lot of writers think that comedy is basically trying to be as offensive or as insightful as possible. And comedy is not always that way. Sometimes it is. Yeah, uh, uh, Sausage Party, for example, which is a movie you either love or you hate. I, mm -hmm. I love it, but it, it knew when to be, it knew when to pour gas on things and set it on fire. Oh, yeah. Clue does not need to do that. Clue lives on its own merits. It's you may look at the comedy and think it's dated. Again, I see it as evergreen. It's never going to go bad. No, I, I thought that I thought the comedy was well done. And look, I love a good pratfall, a good slipping over, a good a getting knocked on the head. Still works for me if it's done well. And we have that. We have people flawling over. We have a, a thing falling on Kim, Tim Curry's head. We have those. <laughs> I you love know, that the, kind the of moment, stuff. The, the moment where they drag the maid. I had the picture before. They drag the maid and they drop her on her head. Yeah. Love that stuff. You know, that's that's classic comedy that's been going around for hundreds of years. You know? Yes, yes. And it will, it will be around in a hundred more and... As will Clue. Clue will be around as well. Sorry, well, guys, my my, my uh, I got a cat oh, trying to eat my headphones. So, did Battle Cat enjoy it? Did she even get a chance to watch Clue, or she was just nope. She she watched Clue for a little bit and mm. then decided to attack the the mini blinds behind the couch. Mm. And then we had to eject her from the theater because she was just being far too loud and disrespectful. Far too loud. I think she was worried that they were going to point the finger at her. That's yes. what she was trying to create a misdirection. But well, she's guys, a good kitty. That's what we thought of Clue, a classic film from 1985 that if you haven't seen, you've got to get on it. You've got to find it. You can find it on your Amazon Prime. You can find it on your Apple TV. Get a hold of it. And it's one of those things, if you've got kids, I reckon, what do you reckon, Jace? Eight or nine or above? Do you think they could handle that? I, I honestly don't think there's anything in this movie aside from rampant cleavage that really warrants any... Well, nothing you wouldn't see at a beach anyway these days. No, so... I mean, I, I honestly don't think that there's anything in this movie you probably wouldn't see on Disney Channel or Disney Plus nowadays. Exactly. Um, so it's a good family film, basically. It, it, may, it may merit a couple of parental set-downs like, 
okay, the men in this movie do not behave as men should. Yeah. Um, but other than that, no, there's really, I don't even really think that there, is there any cursing in this movie? Aside no, from... I don't think so. No. I don't think so at all. I think it's all pretty well kept. And with saying that, when you talk about the men, what's great about movies in the 80s is that there's always a moral center to it, mm-hmm. you know? And the fact that none of these guys are really nice guys. No, no one is. none of them are. No. Yeah, that's that's why also the film works too, because no one's a good guy in this. So, But either way, guys, go check it out. It's, it is a fun film. I absolutely adored watching it again. Clearly, Jason's a massive fan, as we can tell. Huge so, fan. Absolutely, go check it out. Check out SpectrumSanctorum.net for all of our podcast merch. We have an entire merch store ready to give you all the things that you loved about our podcast. And get notified on all of our socials. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and our Spectrum Sanctorum merch store. Follow us today and be sure to hit that bell when you're watching our YouTube videos so you can be notified of when a new episode releases.